good. Do you feel good? Good. Well, what do we want to talk about this morning? Jesus. That's a good place to go. Let's talk about Jesus. You know, he, um, he's the reason that we have freedom to worship. He gave us that freedom on the cross, this cross, not this cross, but one like it. The um, message I have this morning is still out of the book of Acts, and, and uh, it's probably one of my favorite places to read, or this, my favorite story, actual event that happened. And so we're going to be there today and, and discussing that. But I also believe a lot of it's going to have to do with some of where we were last week and in the area of joy. And God has called us and prepared us and made it possible for us to be joyful. Do you agree? Can you say after me, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Now prove it to me. We'll say it again. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Ha, ha, ha. You know, I was sharing with someone this last week that um, I used to work, as many of you know, in a sales organization, and we'd have this corny cheer that we would do. So we would get, mind you, we were just selling frozen food and ice cream. It wasn't like we were trying to set the world on fire. But we would do a cheer to get us ready to go out. And honestly, we would do cheers in these meetings. So um, it was like this. We would stand up, and it was all these, these grown adults, and, and we would say, act enthusiastic, and you'll be enthusiastic. And usually it was like 6 o'clock in the morning, maybe 6.30 uh, in Minnesota. So that would be 4.30 here, say Minnesota. So it would be 4.30 my time, and they would have us stand up and say, act enthusiastic, and you'll be enthusiastic. And it was kind of like, act enthusiastic, and you'll be enthusiastic is kind of how it started. But then usually near the end, it was like, act enthusiastic, and you'll be enthusiastic, and you were really into it. And that was to sell frozen food and ice cream. We're here to proclaim life and life eternal. We're here to point people to his presence where lives are changed for eternity. So we can be enthusiastic. Why? Because we have an eternal promise, right? That's where this joy can come from and this enthusiasm. We have a lot to be enthusiastic about. Who feels enthusiastic this morning? All right. We ought to. We ought to feel enthusiastic. My Steelers are just kicked off. And I'm praying that they're enthusiastic right now on the football field. So, my Steelers, if you notice that, I bought them a while ago, and I've just been keeping a secret. Anyhow, it's good to be here today, and I want us to be joyful and enthusiastic about who we are and what we are to be doing. Today in, in Acts chapter 16, I'm going to spend some time reading through this because I think it's good to read the Bible, isn't it? Who has a Bible? Actually, that's awesome. Now, put your hands down. Who does not have a Bible? 
that honestly, even in your home, does anybody not have a Bible? Because we want to ensure that you have one. Do you need a Bible? Okay, we're gonna, Glenn's going to get you one. The, uh, but if you have your Bibles, I'd ask you to open up your Bible or your app and go to Acts chapter 16. Oh, it's, a, it's a great chapter. Who's, uh, who's doing good with their Bible reading every morning? Who, who are kind of like this? So I, I encourage you, keep at it. And when you fail, that's okay. Keep at it again. Uh, it, it is life-giving. I'll give you some tips. Try not to do it when you're laying in bed. That's kind of hard. Um, then you, you end up drifting. I end up getting in this weird place where I'm reading the Bible. I drift off to sleep, start dreaming, and then the dream becomes almost biblical in nature, and it's just strange because it's not really biblical. So anyhow, I don't encourage it while you're laying in bed. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation, Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Paul went first to Derby. That's where they all wore those hats with the round tops. Paul went first to Derby. It's just being corny today. Uh, and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Now, this is the same Timothy that you find in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. Uh, and this is where he's first introduced in the New Testament. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them in their, in their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. Now, this is all just setting us up for the latter part of this chapter. And there's 40 verses, so hang on. Tell your neighbor, hang on. Come on, make sure they're hanging on, because I don't want to lose you while I'm reading. Okay, so churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Should churches grow larger every day? Yes, and amen. Verse 6, next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia, it was cold there, and Galatia, because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Asia, Mysia, Mysia, okay, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. And again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So again, the Spirit's leading them everywhere they're going. And they're hearing, his, hearing the Spirit's voice and understanding the leading of the Spirit. This is the disciples. There's some of us here today that say we're disciples and that, that maybe you can say, I hear the Spirit of the Lord leading me and directing me. There might be others of us that are saying, I want to be there. They were there. They were in this place where they had a desire to go somewhere, but because of the leading of the Holy Spirit, they did not because the Spirit didn't allow them to. Uh, the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then in verse, uh, let's go to verse 8. So instead they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. This is Paul's second missionary journey. Paul got saved on the road to Damascus. It was awesome. It was incredible. And then he sets out after a period of time, after he was trained up with the disciples, he heads out 
on our first missionary journey, we see a lame man healed, different things of that nature. He comes back to report, and now he's back out again on his second journey, this time with Silas. Let's see. Uh, that night, chapter 9, or verse 9. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across the, to the island of Samothrace. Or Samothrace. When you're reading this to yourself, it's easier. When you're trying to say it out loud, it's not as easy. And the next day, we landed at Neapolis. From there, we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony, and we stayed there for several days. On the Sabbath, we went out a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer, and we sat down to speak with some, of the, uh, some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God as she listened to us. The Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household, say she and her household, did what? They were baptized. And she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. Does anybody have that? know anybody in your family that's that way? Come on, you need to eat dinner with us, and they urge you until you agree. I used to have a great-grandmother who was about this tall. She was not a very tall woman, but she would urge you to eat until you agreed. And this is kind of what was going on here. You will be staying at my house tonight, and you will come eat with us. She was very persistent, and she urged us until we agreed. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. So here they encounter this, this slave girl. This, we, we, we today will talk about um, this uh, idea of slavery within our, in our own country, within our own region. And, and here there was a slave girl that was being used because of the demonic power that was within her. And they were using it for personal gain. Her, uh, she earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. Now, this is setting up the story to where I want to end up. And you'll find when I'm all done, you will have read one chapter of the Bible. It can be done. All right? So, um, she urged us until we agreed. Oh, wait, moving down. Verse 17. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting. This girl starts following them around everywhere they go. She's shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Even the demonic powers, even the forces of evil recognize the authority, the power that God reigns. They even recognize that because he has all authority. He has all power. She is demonstrating that in that she's proclaiming the fact that they have come to save you. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. 
Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city and the city officials ordered them to be stripped down and beaten with wooden rods. And they were severely beaten. And then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make, the, to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon. Say inner dun- dungeon. You didn't have to hesitate like I did. The inner dungeon. And clamped their feet in the, stock, in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. Again, say shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. Say everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them. And washed their wounds. Then he, then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. The next morning, the city officials sent the police to the jailer. Let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said to you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. But Paul replied, they have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison. And we are Roman citizens, so now they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. When the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia, where they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. Amen. The, the initial title of today's message was attributes of a New Testament church and, and what are they hope and joy. But I would also say another title to this would be hope cries out in the dark. Because that's what happened in this situation. This was a time where, where Paul and Silas are doing a work that God had directed them. How do we know God directed them? Because the same spirit that told them not to preach in Asia was the same spirit that said, speak to Lydia and the women that were down at the riverbank. It was the same spirit that said, go and, and uh, uh, tell the, the girl that had been following him around and cast the spirit out of her. It was the same spirit. They were being directed by the spirit. And where did that take them? It put them in prison. 
It was, a, it was a dark place. It was a hard place. But how many have heard this passage of Scripture before? I think many of us have. And I've heard it over, and I've heard it preached many times. And some of the things that you'll hear when it's been preached are, are these truths that in the midst of darkness, what did they do? They were worshiping and praising the Lord. They had joy in their heart. They had trust and belief. Sometimes it, what we will struggle with is that in the midst of our circumstances, we may stop worshiping and praising God. But Paul and Silas, because they knew how real the Spirit was, they would still worship and praise Him. And they weren't just in jail. They were deep into the dungeon of the jail. There was a fear that they would escape, so they didn't just, just lock them up in the one next to the front door. They put them down deep into the dungeon. It was a dark place. But I, I, I tend to believe that for Paul and Silas, it wasn't so dark. Because they, they didn't see their surroundings as much as they were hearing the, the voice of the Holy Spirit. I, I think that's a challenge for me sometimes. I get so caught up. Maybe you're there too. You get so caught up in looking at your surrounding or your circumstances that you don't quite hear the Spirit as clearly as you ought to. Because when we hear the Spirit clearly, what should be... Evidence of that, praise and worship, joy and rejoicing. Do, do you find yourself struggling with being able to be joyful and rejoicing? If that's true, then, then the prayer needs to be, God, I want to hear your spirit clearly for me and clearly the direction you want to give me. And God wants that too. Because without that, the jailer would have killed himself. It wasn't about Paul and Silas and their circumstance as it was about the Holy Spirit being real in that circumstance. We saw at verse 24, the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and, clapped and clamped their feet in the stocks. They were bound. They were deep in jail, in prison, in the dungeon. Have you ever been in a difficult situation in a hard time? And, and that was the believers that were in that place. God didn't promise us that when we believe in Him and we're saved that we'll never see a hard time. In fact, I, I, I contend that we're heading into a season even as a nation where it could become very dark if it hasn't already The nation, we sang that song earlier that um, had three lines, and it talked about my life be lifted high, that part. My life be lifted high. My world, our world be lifted high. And our love be lifted high. Is that how it went? And as we were singing that, I thought, that is our, my cry, that that my life, not me, but Christ in me, hope of the hope of glory, be lifted high. In our world, Lord, we want you to be lifted high. In my love, in our love, we want him to be lifted high. And, and as we head into a season where we... And, or we're in a season, you know, we, you can watch the news and see darkness. You can see a lack of love and unity. 
You can see concerns about the future of our nation. But in that, no matter how deep and how dark that dungeon might feel or seem, or how bound up we might feel as a country or as a nation or as a community or even in your own personal life, he can be lifted high. And they knew that when they were in that prison cell. Regardless of how dark, and, and it's not like the jails we see today. What was the prison like they were in? The deeper they went, the wetter it became. I, I imagine it was damp, musty. I imagine there was critters. I mean, they probably had a whole worship service in there. It wasn't just Paul and Silas. It was all the critters, too. It wasn't a beautiful place, but they had this abundance of joy. Are you kidding me? Joy in that place? Are are you saying that we as, as Christians today, as believers, we can be joyful regardless of the election process, regardless of... The, the evil that's going on, and you think about Chicago and all the people that have been murdered and killed just this year alone. It's pushing close to a 1,000 now. That's evil. That is dark. What can we as believers continue to do? We can be joyful and be lifted high. His glory can be lifted high if we so choose. And that's what is needed. That is what our nation will cry out for. That is what our neighbors are looking for, is is for us as believers to rise up and say, you know what? Yeah, it kind of sucks, but you know what? God reigns. He has all authority. He has all power. He can overcome and will overcome. And I can be joyful in it. What's going to set us apart? It's the joy in our hearts. Where do we get that joy? It's in the midst of praises. It's praising him in the dark times. You know, I know Paul and Silas, by reading this story, they weren't so caught up in their circumstance, not just because they were praising him, but when, the, when freedom came and the earthquake happened, they did not run, they ministered. Because if their thoughts were on the circumstance, then when the time came, when the ground shook, They would have missed out on the opportunity to minister as they were called to do. Our resolve to have joy, our resolve to believe in our Savior, our resolve to understand the Spirit within us and to hear the voice of the Spirit needs to be in such a way that even when we step out of darkness or when darkness is free or the bonds are broken, we don't run to our own personal freedom, but we look for freedom in others. Because if we're always looking for our own personal need to be met, guess what misses out? Ministry, call, lost lives. We are in a community and in a society society today where we do focus a lot on our own needs. Do we not? We do. And, and it's a battle to focus on our own needs. We might, in our minds, say, well, we need to focus on others, but still focus on our own needs. And we battle, and we have angst around that. But when we, it, we're in this time that we've been praying and fasting and, and, and sacrificing our own personal desires, 
so that we, we could know his heart and know his will and know his desire for us. That's why we do that is to be set apart, not so focused on our own needs and our own hurts and our own whatevers, but to be able to focus on the needs of those that are around us. I think about this earthquake that happened. There was several things that they didn't know the earthquake was coming. I don't believe, it doesn't say anywhere in Scripture that, that they were praising him because, they, because God said, the more you praise me, I'll send an earthquake that'll set you free. Sometimes that, that tends to be, if it, we'll do this if you'll do that. It wasn't about that. It was about their heart. No matter how deep and dark and how bound up we are in a prison cell, we're still going to praise you. And then the Holy Spirit blessed them and, and brought about this earthquake where it says even the very foundations were shaken. What was interesting, who all else participated in the earthquake was the jailer. His very foundation was shaken to the point where he knew that he was going to have to kill himself either because of depression or, de- or being so destitute or out of fear of what would happen to him because the prisoners escaped. His foundation was shaken to the point where he knew his life was over. But for any of us that would say, our life is over, the message is this. Hope cries out in the dark. True believers will remain when the foundation of others is shaken. Because we need to remain in order to minister to those that have a shaken foundation. The jailer, as he was ready to take his life, I imagine it was just such a sense of relief. A, such a sense of relief to hear a voice, any voice, cry out. God wants us to be that voice. I want you to think about it just for a moment. Who are some people in your life that, that are not believers? that you encounter frequently, that that they are a part of your life. That's where he wants to be lifted high. I will promise you this. There will be a shaking that comes in their life. And it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, that will help them when their life is shaken. no matter how deep your trial or how deep their trial, God can shake them free. It's interesting as you see this, I, as you continue on, the jailer, obviously, he was in a place where I'm sure he would accept any port in the storm at that point. He would accept any help that would come his way because his life literally was nearly over. And, and fortunately, there was Paul and Silas to lead him to the Lord. The other thing that, I, that you'll take from this passage as you start reading and you go through it a little further, the jailer and his family entered into ministry right away. They didn't go to Bible school. They didn't go through any special academy. What they had was they had a heart of compassion, and they had 
physical talents. And what did they do? They ministered to the disciples. It says that they took the disciples back to their place and he fed them and cleaned their wounds because he could serve them. Regardless of where you're at in your walk, you can serve the Lord by serving others. Community is where everyone cares for and meets the needs of each other. Immediately, the jailer is saved. His whole family is saved. They get baptized, and they move into what we would call church today, community of caring for and being there for one another. New in faith, you can still serve with talents and physical abilities. Those that, are, that, that were further discipled, the disciples of that day, they, they were there to meet the spiritual needs. And that was community. That was church. What is the message for today? Paul and Silas were miraculously freed, yes. They did not view, though, their freedom as a means of escape. However, it was seen as an opportunity for witness. Along with last week, that is my encouragement. And I just wanted to bring a word of encouragement today is that last week we talked about the joy of the Lord being our strength. That's still true this Sunday and the next Sunday and the Sunday after and every week after that and every week after that, the joy of the Lord is our strength. As believers, who would say you're a believer? Say amen. As a believer, know that the joy of the Lord is your strength, but it's also the open door to ministry. It's the joy that's within you that opens doors and sets captives free. It's not this made-up joy that you come up with. You can choose to be joyful or not, but it's the joy of the Lord that's your strength. It's the joy of the Lord that opens up the door to ministry. Now, did Paul and Silas suffer because of ministry? Yes, they did. But then they also saw blessing. They didn't just stay in that dungeon, in that dark place. Not only were they set free, but they were, they were honored in such a way that they were recognized for the citizens that they were. They were in a dungeon. They were, in, they were bound up in a dark place. But they were also set free and recognized as being Roman citizens as they left that place. There will be a day of darkness in ministry. There will be a day that's, that, that you're recognized. But at the end of the day, it's the joy of the Lord that's your strength, and it's His glory that needs to be proclaimed. Here's my question, though. Who is struggling with joy? Who feels like you're in a dark place? And maybe you're not in the dark place, but you know someone that is. Will you remain and be hope crying out in the dark? Will you? There's going to be a need for it. 
Church, it's, this is our time. Our time is now. There's communities, there's community leaders that are looking for answers for all kinds of things. And there's one real answer, and that is hope in Him. It's our time. Are you ready? Get ready. It's our time. It's not going to be somebody else that does it. It's going to be you participating in ministry. It's going to be you that's available when someone's in a dark place. Are you ready? Our time is now. Prepare yourself. Get ready. Because the time is now. You know somebody's going to be shaken in your life. You know their very foundation is going to be shaken. Are you ready? Get ready. The time is now. How do I get ready? I'll say it again. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Get ready. The time is now. What's that look like? I'm getting enthusiastic. Act enthusiastic, and you'll be enthusiastic. Get ready. The time is now. Get ready. The time is now. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You need to know it's now. It's not coming. It's now. Some say, well, I'm not qualified. Well, the jailer wasn't qualified to minister to the disciples, so we might think. But no, he was qualified to meet the needs of the disciples. Whatever you can do, to honor the Lord, do it, and do it heartedly, heartedly, heartily, heartedly, wholeheartedly, heartedly. Do it, do it heartedly. Just like that. That's heartedly. It's joyful. I want to serve the Lord because people want to see it. They need it. They need to receive it. Are you ready? Are you ready? We've got a men's advance coming up in a month. Do you think there'll be a life-giving message? Yeah. you think there'll be good worship? Yeah. you think the Spirit will be here? Yeah. Well, who needs to be here in the midst of it? A whole bunch of people. Are you ready? Get ready because the time is now. I'm not going to let you off the hook. Jeff, will I let you off the hook? Yeah, okay. Get ready. Are you ready? <laughs> Hopefully the time's not like right now. But uh, I don't want to, we, we can't let any of us off the hook. 
because the potential that God created for each of us to fulfill is awesome, not to be fulfilled on our own. But his strength, his power, his authority. Are you ready? Be joyful. Get ready. Oh, there's hurting people. There's so many hurting people. I I get to see it. Some of us that are at Fourth and Hope, we get to see it all the time. And we're doing our best to try to help them where they're at. But what they really need to know is, is how much they're loved by a loving father. They need to encounter love. They need to encounter his presence. There is not a lack of need. If you find yourself not ministering, it's not because of lack of need. Selah. Pastor Scott was in the office this week, and he's retired. Did you guys know that? I don't think anybody else knows that, but, but he was talking about he's got more to do than he has Pastor Scott to do. He's just one. Because the ministry, the, the field is ripe under harvest. It's as simple sometimes, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm, I'm just kind of going around and around, but I just want you to catch the vision. I want you to understand what's available. Everybody is seeking and searching and needs something. That jailer got saved. Why? He was at the end of hope. Hope had run out. He's not the first one in, in, in history or the last that hope has run out. Who has family members that needs to know that there is hope, that there is a future, there is freedom? Are you ready? Get ready. I hope you know my heart is for you. I hope you know that. I care for you. I love you. I want to see the best for you. I want, I, I want you to know intimately God on a deeper level than you even know him now. That is my heart for you. But there's another part that God's birthed in me for us as a church, and that is a heart for those that aren't here. And I'm not talking about people that have gone to church and maybe just aren't at this church I'm talking about those that don't know the reality of how much God loves them. There's My heart breaks for them. And, and it's not about a program or, or playing church or anything like that. It's about Jesus. Somebody said earlier, what are we going to talk about? Jesus. They need to know about Jesus. As my heart is for you and as his heart is for you, his heart and my heart are also for those that are not here. But you know them. You know them.
You sense the challenge? You know them. And they need to know his heart. I want this to be a place you can bring them where they'll encounter his presence. I'm not talking about flash or you know anything that's entertaining on that level. I'm talking about encountering his presence. Because you've experienced it, right? Have you encountered his presence before? Have you encountered his presence here? Yes. Over and over again, I hear people say, I, I, I've never been to church before I came here and I felt something. Don't know what it was, but I felt something. Well, I'll tell you what that was. That was his presence. And it's in his presence is where their lives are going to be changed because it's there that hope cries out in the dark. There's never a place at the deepest, darkest place of that dungeon. His presence was there. They just needed someone to help them. The jailer just needed somebody to help him connect to his presence. You know them. Our heart is for them. Dear God, I come before you and I... You know that I've wrestled with this word all week. But Lord, I I pray that your word be heard. Your heart be known. Lord, I know that your heart breaks. Your heart breaks for those that have not encountered you. You long for them. You long for them. Lord, give us a heart to long for them as you do. Lord, I pray that our heart will ache as yours does for those that are lost. That our heart will ache for them. We'll get over our own heartache so our heart will ache for those that are lost. Because we are found. We're not lost any longer. We don't need to be distracted by our by our issues, by our circumstances. No matter how deep and dark the dungeon may feel at times, we can still praise you because we're not lost anymore. But there are those that are lost, God. I pray that you'll make our heart ache for those that are lost. Lord, make us available for those that cry out, that have lost all hope. Make us available and aware, Lord, to minister to them, to give them hope, to give them life as we point them to the cross and all that you've done for them and speak truth into their lives. We are the hope that cries out in the dark. You've created us, your people, believers, Christians, this church, the New Testament church, to be the hope that cries out in the dark. Give us voice to cry out, Lord, as we praise you 
as we worship you, as we lift you up with great joy, with great enthusiasm that we have eternity with you. Lord, we want to be the hope that cries out in the dark, that brings light into dark situations, that brings that we are salt and light, as it says in Scripture, Lord. Help us to own that and to know that and just to be all about that and all that we do. Lord, I pray for a passion to be birthed within us, a passion that cannot be quenched, one that demands us to go out and love and be joyful, to walk in peace in our life. Be lifted up, Lord. In our world, be lifted up. In our love, be lifted up. Lord, we're interceding for this city. We're interceding for our families. We're interceding for our communities. We're standing in the gap believing that you desire them to come into full understanding of your love for them. Yes, God, I'm aware that there's needs here. I'm aware that there's needs in this place. There's hurts, there's concerns, there's emotional issues, there's health issues. I know that exists, but I also know, God, that you want them to not be distracted. You want them to be free to move and be and have joy in their lives. So, Lord, I claim and pray your authority over all these issues that exist. It's your authority that we look to, not the issue, but your authority, not the hurt, but your authority, not the healing that needs to happen, but your authority, not the emotional issue, but your authority is what we look to, Lord, because where we place our eyes is what we'll worship. And I want to worship your authority and not the circumstances, because as we praise you, you'll inhabit those praises. And as we praise you, joy will fill our, our hearts and our lives. And as we praise you, the earthquake will come and shake us free of our circumstances so we can minister in such a way that sets the captives free.